Section fifty seven of the Brothers Karamazov by Fyodor Dostoevsky. Translated by Constance Garnett. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Bruce Peary. Book nine, chapter four. The second ordeal. You don't know how you encourage us, Dmitri Fyodorovitch, by your readiness to answer said nikolai parfenovitch with an animated air and obvious satisfaction beaming in his very prominent short-sighted light gray eyes from which he had removed his spectacles a moment before and you have made a very just remark about the mutual confidence without which it is sometimes positively impossible to get on in cases of such importance if the suspected party really hopes and desires to defend himself and is in a position to do so we on our side will do everything in our power and you can see for yourself how we are conducting the case you approve hippolyte kurilevitch he turned to the prosecutor oh undoubtedly replied the prosecutor his tone was somewhat cold compared with nikolai parfenovitch's impulsiveness i will note once for all that nikolai parfenovitch who had but lately arrived among us had from the first felt marked respect for hippolyte kurilevitch our prosecutor and had become almost his bosom friend he was almost the only person who put implicit faith in hippolyte kurilevitch's extraordinary talents as a psychologist and orator and in the justice of his grievance he had heard of him in petersburg on the other hand young nikolai parfenovitch was the only person in the whole world whom our unappreciated prosecutor genuinely liked on their way to mokro they had time to come to an understanding about the present case and now as they sat at the table the sharp-witted junior caught and interpreted every indication on his senior colleague's face half a word a glance or a wink gentlemen only let me tell my own story and don't interrupt me with trivial questions and i'll tell you everything in a moment said mitya excitedly excellent thank you but before we proceed to listen to your communication will you allow me to inquire as to another little fact of great interest to us i mean the ten roubles you borrowed yesterday at about five o'clock on the security of your pistols from your friend pyotr ilyitch perhotin i pledged them gentlemen i pledged them for ten roubles what more that's all about it as soon as i got back to town i pledged them you got back to town then you had been out of town yes i went on a journey of forty versts into the country didn't you know the prosecutor and nikolai parfenovitch exchanged glances well how would it be if you began your story with a systematic description of all you did yesterday from the morning onwards allow us for instance to inquire why you were absent from the town and just when you left and when you came back all those facts you should have asked me like that from the beginning cried mitya laughing aloud and if you like we won't begin from yesterday but from the morning of the day before then you'll understand how why and where i went i went the day before yesterday gentlemen to a merchant of the town called samsonov to borrow three thousand roubles from him on safe security it was a pressing matter gentlemen it was a sudden necessity allow me to interrupt you the prosecutor put in politely 
why were you in such pressing need for just that sum three thousand oh gentlemen you needn't go into details how when and why and why just so much money and not so much and all that rigmarole why it'll run to three volumes and then you'll want an epilogue mitchus said all this with the good-natured but impatient familiarity of a man who is anxious to tell the whole truth and is full of the best intentions gentlemen he corrected himself hurriedly don't be vexed with me for my restiveness i beg you again believe me once more i feel the greatest respect for you and understand the true position of affairs don't think i'm drunk i'm quite sober now and besides being drunk would be no hindrance it's with me you know like the saying when he is sober he is a fool when he is drunk he is a wise man <laughs> but i see gentlemen it's not the proper thing to make jokes to you till we've had our explanation i mean and i've my own dignity to keep up too i quite understand the difference for the moment i am after all in the position of a criminal and so far from being on equal terms with you and it's your business to watch me i can't expect you to pat me on the head for what i did to grigory for one can't break old men's heads with impunity i suppose you'll put me away for him for six months or a year perhaps in a house of correction i don't know what the punishment is but it will be without loss of the rights of my rank without loss of my rank won't it so you see gentlemen i understand the distinction between us but you must see that you could puzzle god himself with such questions how did you step where did you step when did you step and on what did you step i shall get mixed up if you go on like this and you will put it all down against me and what will that lead to to nothing and even if it's nonsense i'm talking now let me finish and you gentlemen being men of honour and refinement will forgive me i'll finish by asking you gentlemen to drop that conventional method of questioning i mean beginning from some miserable trifle how i got up what i had for breakfast how i spat and where i spat and so distracting the attention of the criminal suddenly stun him with an overwhelming question whom did you murder whom did you rob <laughs> that's your regulation method that's where all your cunning comes in you can put peasants off their guard like that but not me i know the tricks i've been in the service too <laughs> you're not angry gentlemen you forgive my impertinence he cried looking at them with a good nature that was almost surprising it's only mitya karamazov you know so you can overlook it it would be inexcusable in a sensible man but you can forgive it in mitya <laughs> nikolai parfenovitch listened and laughed too though the prosecutor did not laugh he kept his eyes fixed keenly on mitya as though anxious not to miss the least syllable the slightest movement the smallest twitch of any feature of his face that's how we have treated you from the beginning said nikolai parfenovitch still laughing we haven't tried to put you out by asking how you got up in the morning and what you had for breakfast we began indeed with questions of the greatest importance i understand i saw it and appreciated it and i appreciate still more your present kindness to me an unprecedented kindness worthy of your noble hearts we three here are gentlemen and let everything be on the footing of mutual confidence between educated well-bred people who have the common bond of noble birth and honour 
in any case allow me to look upon you as my best friends at this moment of my life at this moment when my honour is assailed that's no offence to you gentlemen is it on the contrary you've expressed all that so well dmitri fyodorovitch nikolai parfenovitch answered with dignified approbation and enough of those trivial questions gentlemen all those tricky questions cried mitya enthusiastically or there's simply no knowing where we shall get to is there i will follow your sensible advice entirely the prosecutor interposed addressing mitya i don't withdraw my question however it is now vitally important for us to know exactly why you needed that sum i mean precisely three thousand why i needed it oh for one thing and another well it was to pay a debt a debt to whom that i absolutely refuse to answer gentlemen not because i couldn't or because i shouldn't dare or because it would be damaging for it's all a paltry matter and absolutely trifling but i won't because it's a matter of principle that's my private life and i won't allow any intrusion into my private life that's my principle your question has no bearing on the case and whatever has nothing to do with the case is my private affair i wanted to pay a debt i wanted to pay a debt of honour but to whom i won't say allow me to make a note of that said the prosecutor by all means write down that i won't say that i won't write that i should think it dishonourable to say <laughs> you can write it you've nothing else to do with your time allow me to caution you sir and to remind you once more if you are unaware of it the prosecutor began with a peculiar and stern impressiveness that you have a perfect right not to answer the questions put to you now and we on our side have no right to extort an answer from you if you decline to give it for one reason or another that is entirely a matter for your personal decision but it is our duty on the other hand in such cases as the present to explain and set before you the degree of injury you will be doing yourself by refusing to give this or that piece of evidence after which i will beg you to continue gentlemen i'm not angry i mitya muttered in a rather disconcerted tone well gentlemen you see that samsonov to whom i went then we will of course not reproduce his account of what is known to the reader already mitya was impatiently anxious not to omit the slightest detail at the same time he was in a hurry to get it over but as he gave his evidence it was written down and therefore they had continually to pull him up mitya disliked this but submitted got angry though still good-humouredly he did it is true exclaim from time to time gentlemen that's enough to make an angel out of patience or gentlemen it's no good your irritating me but even though he exclaimed he still preserved for a time his genially expansive mood so he told them how samsonov had made a fool of him two days before he had completely realized by now that he had been fooled the sale of his watch for six roubles to obtain money for the journey was something new to the lawyers they were at once greatly interested and even to mitch's intense indignation thought it necessary to write the fact down 
as a secondary confirmation of the circumstance that he had hardly a farthing in his pocket at the time little by little mitchell began to grow surly then after describing his journey to see Liagavi, the night spent in the stifling hut and so on he came to his return to the town here he began without being particularly urged to give a minute account of the agonies of jealousy he endured on gushenka's account he was heard with silent attention they inquired particularly into the circumstance of his having a place of ambush in maria kondrachevna's house at the back of fyodor pavlovitch's garden to keep watch on grushenka and of smerdyakov's bringing him information they laid particular stress on this and noted it down of his jealousy he spoke warmly and at length and though inwardly ashamed at exposing his most intimate feelings to public ignominy so to speak he evidently overcame his shame in order to tell the truth the frigid severity with which the investigating lawyer and still more the prosecutor stared intently at him as he told his story disconcerted him at last considerably that boy nikolai parfenovitch to whom i was talking nonsense about women only a few days ago and that sickly prosecutor are not worth my telling this to he reflected mournfully it's ignominious be patient humble hold thy peace he wound up his reflections with that line but he pulled himself together to go on again when he came to telling of his visit to madame holikoff he regained his spirits and even wished to tell a little anecdote of that lady which had nothing to do with the case but the investigating lawyer stopped him and civilly suggested that he should pass on to more essential matters at last when he described his despair and told them how when he left madame holikoff's he thought that he'd get three thousand if he had to murder someone to do it they stopped him again and noted down that he had meant to murder someone mitya let them write it without protest at last he reached the point in his story when he learned that grushenka had deceived him and had returned from samsonov's as soon as he left her there though she had said that she would stay there till midnight if i didn't kill fenya then gentlemen it was only because i hadn't time broke from him suddenly at that point in his story that too was carefully written down mitya waited gloomily and was beginning to tell how he ran into his father's garden when the investigating lawyer suddenly stopped him and opening the big portfolio that lay on the sofa beside him he brought out the brass pestle do you recognize this object he asked showing it to mitya oh yes he laughed gloomily of course i recognize it let me have a look at it damn it never mind you have forgotten to mention it observed the investigating lawyer hang it all i shouldn't have concealed it from you do you suppose i could have managed without it it simply escaped my memory be so good as to tell us precisely how you came to arm yourself with it certainly i will be so good gentlemen and mitya described how he took the pestle and ran but what object had you in view in arming yourself with such a weapon what object no object i just picked it up and ran off what for 
if you had no object mitch's wrath flared up he looked intently at the boy and smiled gloomily and malignantly he was feeling more and more ashamed at having told such people the story of his jealousy so sincerely and spontaneously bother the pestle broke from him suddenly but still oh to keep off dogs oh, because it was dark in case anything turned up but have you ever on previous occasions taken a weapon with you when you went out since you're afraid of the dark Ugh, damn it all gentlemen there's positively no talking to you cried mitya exasperated beyond endurance and turning to the secretary crimson with anger he said quickly with a note of fury in his voice write down at once at once that i snatched up the pestle to go and kill my father fyodor pavlovitch by hitting him on the head with it well now are you satisfied gentlemen are your minds relieved he said glaring defiantly at the lawyers we quite understand that you made that statement just now through exasperation with us and the questions we put to you which you consider trivial though they are in fact essential the prosecutor remarked dryly in reply well upon my word gentlemen yes i took the pestle what does one pick things up for at such moments i don't know what for i snatched it up and ran that's all for to me gentlemen passons or i declare i won't tell you any more he sat with his elbows on the table and his head in his hand he sat sideways to them and gazed at the wall struggling against a feeling of nausea he had in fact an awful inclination to get up and declare that he wouldn't say another word not if you hang me for it you see gentlemen he said at last with difficulty controlling himself you see i listen to you and am haunted by a dream it's a dream i have sometimes you know i often dream it it's always the same that someone is hunting me someone i'm awfully afraid of that he's hunting me in the dark in the night tracking me and i hide somewhere from him behind a door or cupboard hide in a degrading way and the worst of it is he always knows where i am but he pretends not to know where i am on purpose to prolong my agony to enjoy my terror that's just what you're doing now it's just like that is that the sort of thing you dream about inquired the prosecutor yes it is don't you want to write it down said mitya with a distorted smile no no need to write it down but still you do have curious dreams it's not a question of dreams now gentlemen this is realism this is real life i'm a wolf and you're the hunters well hunt him down you are wrong to make such comparisons began nikolai parfenovitch with extraordinary softness no i'm not wrong not at all mitya flared up again though his outburst of wrath had obviously relieved his heart he grew more good-humoured at every word you may not trust a criminal or a man on trial tortured by your questions but an honourable man the honourable impulses of the heart i say that boldly no that you must believe you have no right indeed but be silent heart be patient humble hold thy peace well shall i go on he broke off gloomily if you'll be so kind answered nikolai parfenovitch
End of section 57